Yeah, no problem. All right, welcome to episode eight, everybody. I have Laura on the other side of me. So, Laura, you are a holistic psychologist, um, and you, from what I understanding, is that you work essentially with women. You work to support um, and empower women, and you kind of look at uh, psychology through a bit more of a holistic lens, which I, which I kind of want to get into more. But um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to just keep sharing this message wherever I can. It's so important for people to know that there are different ways of feeling um, and it's just not spoken about often. So that is my mission. Yeah, that's amazing. And I guess, could you give me a bit of a background uh, on what you do? So holistic psychology, what does that um, encompass? Yeah, sure. So I was trained in the medical field. um, So I did you know, 15 years of study um, and then went into the government roles um, and worked in various different roles um, in the medical model. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I noticed from that space was there was no true healing. What we were doing, we were really dealing with the effects, not the cause. Yeah. Um, and just seeing people come in and out the doors and revolving so they'd have like some stabilisation and they'd be back again within a couple of months. And I was like, I really just want to help people really truly see who they are and start to heal through these wounds, which is all trauma based. So when I was working in the mental health unit specifically, um, no one really knew about trauma, like not even the psychiatrists, not the nurses. And I was like, oh, my God. So I started to kind of like research more about trauma and how it gets stored in the body. And I was like, okay, from a psychological perspective, we work with the mind. So we really can't heal people from a trauma perspective if we're just trying to work through talk therapy. We really need to be working with the body as well. Mm-hmm. So I guess my curiosity um, around when I was a senior psychologist in the mental health unit really allowed me to kind of start navigating different ways of working with the body mm-hmm. um, and following amazing people like Bessel van der Kolk and Peter Levine um, are really amazing somatic healers. Um, And have been in the medical model for a really long time and kind of went on a similar journey to me of like, this isn't the only way. Um, We really need to encompass everything, not just the mind. Mm. So first I became a breathwork practitioner because I learned about the vagus nerve and the central nervous system and regulation. And as a psychologist, we really just learned the generic, you know, box breathing and all of that wonderful stuff, which is really good for quick regulation um, but I became a holotropic breath worker, which really allows you to surpass the ego mind and get into the subconscious where all of the trauma is stored. So mm-hmm. during the breath work um, session, you can release a lot of emotion. You can even go back into inner child work. There's some phenomenal things that can happen without even talking about it. Mm-hmm. So I guess that got me to get really curious. So firstly, I became a breathwork practitioner. And then from then I started to work with energy in the body and became an emotional freedom technique practitioner, which means working with the meridians of the body, because energy gets stored in particular areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we're not tapping into those areas, we're not able to kind of get again to the subconscious elements where we are running 95% of our day. Yeah. So for me, you know, when, when we come into talk therapy or a psychology space, it's really working with the conscious mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really hard because subconscious is below awareness. So we can't actually get to it through talk therapy. Like we can probe and we can use techniques and try to, you know, get them to use practical strategies to override the thought and the thinking patterns. But the feelings are still there because it's in our bodies. It's, uh, it, it's, it's at a cellular level. Yeah. 
from the emotional freedom technique, um, I then learned that we can actually go into memories and change our perception of memories that were given to us as children. Wow. Um, yeah, it was phenomenal because if you think about it, when we're children below the ages of seven, we really don't differentiate ourselves as an individual away from our adult, our adult parents or our caregivers. Yeah. So we believe that everything they're going through, we are to blame. So mm-hmm. mom's busy, dad's working all the time. And then we start to generate these stories of, oh, dad doesn't come home a lot. He doesn't love me. Or no. mom's really busy working in the kitchen. Um, you know, and I ask her for things and she's never emotionally available. You know, I'm not seen and heard. So mm-hmm. these are when these limiting beliefs start to form of like, I'm not loved. I'm not seen and heard. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm rejected. It's it's all ego status. It's all about me. Yeah. Um, so what we do is we can actually go back into these memories and change the perception. Now we have the logical reasoning. We actually go back into the matrix, which is our energetic field, because all of these emotional traumas are still stored there wow. and change that whole pattern. Yeah. And, you know, seeing this and witnessing it was phenomenal. So um, that was basically the start of my journey. And then obviously I find it really difficult to go back into the medical model. Now I knew all of these different things. Yeah. Um, and I was actually doing a lot of the emotional freedom technique. Um, you can't do the breath work in there because they're on heavy medication and that can really interfere. Um, but I was definitely doing the emotional freedom technique around people who had severe suicidal ideation and saw the big shifts. But because it's just like a foreign concept in the medical model, it's seen as very woo-woo energy work, um, it was just really hard for me and my body to keep showing up in that space. Um, And I guess potentially fighting the system. Um, So then I was like, how can I actually step outside of this model, this frame of reference, and start to change people's lives in a holistic way and that's when I stepped out by myself and I work with hundreds of women and have done for the last 18 months to dramatically transform their lives in their relationships with their money with their careers mm-hmm. with the way that they love themselves and see themselves you know breaking through the barriers of fear which are all related to childhood yeah and what I find as well when often and this might relate to a lot of people when you're going into talk therapy and you're working with the psychology she's talking about the present moment that's yeah. all you're talking about or oh, my boyfriend really upset me on the weekend or you know this person at work's really bothering me and I don't know how to deal with it mm-hmm. so you're working with the current scenario and mm-hmm. that's not what we need to be working with because it's childhood trauma where this was actually formed and we're just rinsing it and repeating it in our adult life so that co-worker at work really is a reflection of mom and dad in somewhere. You're feeling unheard, you're feeling unseen. You know, your partner, specifically male, reflects a lot of father wounds. Females reflect a lot of mother wounds. Mm-hmm. So we really need to go back to the subconscious elements to be able to really, truly heal. Um, so since been doing this work and working with women in this way, all of that has shifted for them, which is amazing. And really feeling our emotions, which you know, you can probably relate. We're not taught to do that at no, all. Yeah, we're not taught to do that. That is, um, that's mind-blowing. I'm just taking it all in because I do feel like a lot of people go holistic this, holistic that, like they kind of throw in that word. But, I mean, you know, that encompasses a lot. If you're really if you're really doing holistic work, it encompasses a lot, which you are, and it's mind-blowing, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, if you think from a scientific point of view, we're energy. You know, if you break us down into a molecule level, all we are is energy. So it's like, why are we working with that? The mind is given to us as a survival organ to keep us out of danger, to stop us from dying. That's what the the primal features of the mind is. That's what it's supposed to do. So all of the trauma is stored in the limbic system within the mind. And if we are feeling dysregulated in our central nervous system, so say we're faced with a situation like an argument with our partner and we're feeling really unloved in that moment, it's really triggering off this emotional response from childhood. The body is remembering a particular time that they felt really unloved by their dad or their mom. And this current and future situation is triggering that past memory within the body. And then obviously that feeling then triggers the thoughts Mm -hmm. um, and that just sends us into a rabbit hole. Um, So when we're working through this and from a holistic point of view, holistic means mind, body and soul. That Mm -hmm. is the holistic perspective of working with the whole human. If you're not actually encompassing all that and integrating it as one, it can be quite difficult to kind of navigate your way through life because you're working with the mind, but your body's still feeling a particular way. And then all of these facades from an ego perspective we've been building is really bypassing who we are at a soul level, which is the essence of who we are. Wow. Yeah, wow. I'm mind blown. I just (laughs) feel like, you know, what you said is so true that, you know, when it all boils down, we are... We are energy. I think I was reading a Joe Dispenza book and he like had a picture of the molecule and they were like breaking down, okay, what's then inside the nucleus? And they're like, once you get inside the nucleus, there's nothing. It's like we are made of like nothing, like we're energy. And it's like the most humbling thing to go. You're like, oh, like it really all boils down to that. And I think um, you're so right in that we don't really have permission, I think, in this day and age to feel the emotions that we're feeling. Um, and people don't know how to do that. I feel like I didn't even know how to do that up until um, this year. I started doing some inner child work. And I'll be honest, my initial, you know, you hear inner child, I heard inner child work and I was like, that's a really nice concept, but it's not for me. Like, I'm fine. Like, I'm all good. Thank you. And then, um, you know, I was working with this practitioner and she was like, okay, we're going to do a meditation and we're going to do this child work. And I felt my body, I had so much resistance to it. And, you know, not even halfway through, I just broke down in tears. And it just was such a profound moment for me because you you realize you know how much you're holding on to um and yeah. how young you just you just hold it and bottle that all up inside and you don't know how to process it yeah that's amazing that you've actually navigated through that because it's so true mm. when we replace these emotions because the thing is is if we can't actually go through our usual survival instinct which is fight flight freeze form like all of the survival instincts yeah. and we're not able to do that in the moment that emotion becomes trapped and energy is just you know energy in motion is emotion yeah so if we're not able to move through and feel and rinse it through our bodies in that moment that we're feeling it it becomes stored in our bodies yeah and we're walking around as this pressure pot until all of these adversities and challenges Mm. you know the way that we've survived whether it's avoidance whether it's defensiveness whatever it may have been whether it's distracting and just constantly go 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 doesn't become effective anymore and then this is when people get diagnosed with depression and anxiety and overwhelm and stress and you know and depression really is a form of repressed emotions 
yeah you know anxiety is fear it's so much fear so if we actually look at what is the cause rather than do, like mitigate the effect yeah it's like but what caused that anxiety in the first place what caused the depression what caused the obesity what yeah. caused all of these things mm-hmm. that are now compounding these other elements of emotions yeah. Um, and that's really what we need to be focusing on rather than band-aiding with medication and therapies that are really quite ineffective or they'll get you to awareness which is the foundation of all healing we need to be aware of our feelings and where they've come from but then what then what do you do with it yeah. you know so I've had a lot of women that have come to me and they're like I'm so aware of my triggers I'm so aware of my trauma I'm so aware but I don't know what to do with it yeah I'm still feeling the same way yeah. Um, so what I do is I offer um, this really beautiful container to feel everything that hasn't been felt. Yeah, that's very powerful. Would you would you be able to talk about the different um, fight, flight, freeze and flee? Is they the, are they the correct kind of, there's like two split, I, I'll let you explain it, I guess, because I'm, I'm not sure I know it's related to um, potentially our vagus nerve or something like that. Would you be able to explain yeah. that? So it's how the limbic system, like primarily, if you think about how we were back in the caveman days, we were just Mm. hunting out in the wilderness for food. Mm. So, you know, if we were faced by a really threatening situation, our body goes into fight, whether it's to defend ourselves, like physically fight. Mm -hmm. We can flee the situation, which is to run, you know, run away and avoid. We Mm -hmm. freeze in the moment, which is we just stand really still or we fawn, which is a new one that's only come recently where we people please. We give people what they need in order for us to reg- feel regulated or if they feel better, I feel good. And this is where codependency and trauma bonding and all of these things really come in because what we learned as a child was if I just appease mom and dad's needs, I feel safe. If I just don't make a big fuss, I'm not upsetting mum and dad. So I'm just going to appease all of their needs and be quiet and be that good girl and get straight A's and do all of these things to fall into their emotions. So essentially that's what we do. So we can get really highly reactive people that are highly reactive in situations. That's obviously the fight scenario. You've got avoidant attachments. So we avoid any form of conflict. We just don't do anything. We often leave the situation or avoid difficult conversations. When we freeze, we really just can't even speak. We just freeze in the moment. We can't even think properly. Um, We can't speak the words. We we just don't have the thought process there. Or we fall and we give them everything that they need. You know, say if you're in in an argument, Mm-hmm. And you just go, no, you're right, actually. I'm really sorry. You know, what is it that you need in this moment? Mm-hmm. And we'll just make it all better and fix it. Yeah. But again, if you see from a band-aid perspective, because what happened back in the day is that we would be in a threatening situation and then it would go away because you're not faced with these saber-toothed tigers constantly. It's just in a moment, mm-hmm. you know, we go into the the survival response, which is natural for our bodies to do. Then we kill the saber-toothed tiger or we get away from it and then our body regulates naturally. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, we're faced with emails, you know, emotional turmoil in our relationships, children, stressful jobs, traffic, people pipping at us. It's just constant. Yeah. So then our vagus nerve and our central nervous system, we adapt because that's what we do naturally as human beings. We adapt to our environment. And our stress levels rise. So similar to you, um, which is really amazing, where you were like, oh, no, I'm actually fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. 
yeah not many of us actually think there is because it's like we've adapted to this is me sleeping three hours a day this was my story and he's sleeping three hours a day and working three jobs and striving 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 like I'm great like there's nothing going on with me but I was you know when I actually stopped still I couldn't sit with myself I couldn't be with my thoughts and couldn't sit in the uncomfortability of those emotions and that's why I kept going yeah. but if someone was to look at me they'd be like oh wow Laura you're really striving at life yeah you know, how are you feeling I'm like yeah everything's amazing but when you stop you find out it's not as great as what you feel it is a hundred percent and I think that's a very hard feeling to even allow yourself to recognize and I guess a lot of the time you know you think to yourself that if I'm not unwell, if I don't have like a chronic illness, if I'm not like heavily medicated, like all is good. Um, And it's kind of like this really, it's either you're up here on the scale or you're down here. And if you're kind of, you know, if you're in the middle, you're kind of like, ah, I'm fine, but you're not a hundred percent, if that makes sense. Like people look for, um, you know, something really severe in order to to look for change instead of like noticing, yeah. you know, I'm not sleeping, I'm not eating, I'm not, where how are my relationships like you kind of just go uh, 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 and like <laughs> go through a little yeah bit. keep going forward yeah and it's amazing how so many women have come forward to me and said I don't have trauma and I'm like oh you do you just yeah. we all have it on the spectrum welcome <laughs> to the session <laughs> yeah unless you are an enlightened being and have you know complete oneness with yourself and constantly feel love and compassion because at a soul level that's all we actually feel yeah um then there's trauma in the body. Um, yeah. But it's the word trauma is it's like, well, I've never been in a car accident or I've never been sexually abused or I was never, you know, harmed as a child. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, but what about those times you just really needed your mom's attention? And because she was so um, dysregulated, she wasn't able to give you that. She wasn't able to co-regulate with you. That's yeah. emotional neglect, which sounds horrific, the word neglect. Yeah. But in that moment, she wasn't able to meet you. She wasn't able to show you love and compassion to get you through that emotional roller coaster. So you had to figure that out yourself. That yeah. is then stored trauma. Yeah. And I, I, that actually was going to be the next thing that I was going to ask you is that, you know, I think what I've really struggled with when it comes to, you know, asking for help or thinking, should I get help? Should I not get help? Is going, my trauma is not that bad you know some people are like like you said like sexually abused or you know the list goes on and then you kind of go oh you know my life's fine but I think it's a really poor way to assess whether your problems are um are worth addressing because it's like that's not you can't you shouldn't really compare your traumas it's like that's individual to your your life in a way yeah. yeah and it's all relevant like all of our traumas and the way we feel is relevant mm. you know whether it's on a spectrum it's still valid how we feel yeah and it's really understanding that I guess the question that I would be asking yourself is do you feel fulfilled mm. you know and this is quite difficult as well for a lot of people because I think what I've realized while, while I've been on my healing journeys I, I actually never knew what love was you know, I never truly knew what unconditional love was mm. until I started processing my fears and opening my heart up, regardless of the outcome, because mm. I was always that person that was always waiting for things to end in relationships or always fearing something was going to, you know, someone was going to disappear. So there yeah. was always that at a subconscious place that, of course, when you're living in that space, 
I'm constantly on edge of something's going to happen or, you know, trying to control your external environment that you can't keep your heart space open at all and love someone and your children unconditionally. And this was really confronting for me because I was like, what do you mean I don't love my children unconditionally? Of course I do. But when I thought about it, it was like, well, I loved them if they went to bed at the right time. And I loved them if they did this. And I loved them if, um, you know, my daughter did great at maths. Mm-hmm. You know, even though I felt like I loved them, there was still all of these conditions. Yeah. You know, I didn't just love them for who they were. Mm-hmm. And allowing them to just fully be accepted for who they were as children mm-hmm. and to navigate this journey of life themselves rather than me control and push them down the pathway where they could potentially not feel pain yeah um and the same thing came with my partners as well it's like I had a wound around being unloved by the masculine but I was always like they never loved me like they don't love me but the thing is is that I wasn't open to receiving it because it scared me I didn't know what it I didn't know what it felt like oh that's very um like it's very like that definitely resonates with me like a lot it's like how do you how how do you how can people like listening at home like what are some things that may like indicate to them that maybe their heart center isn't fully open because like you say you think you're fine you're like yeah my heart center's open like all good like love and light to everyone (laughs) but like what you know what do you find that's common when women come into your practice when you go you know what look like you're not living from your heart center it's closed off yeah, so there's a few things that you can look for. It's when you're asking, like if you're talking about a relationship, yeah. it's when you're asking your partner to meet your needs. Mm-hmm. So you're not actually meeting your own needs to start with, which means you're actually closed off to yourself. Okay. When we're reaching external to get, you know, our love language is met, for example. So when you go into couples therapy, they normally say, okay, well, this is your partner's love language. How can you show them that? Mm-hmm. But it's like, well, no one can actually show us our own needs unless we're actually willing to fulfill them ourselves yeah so you know similar to words of affirmation you know are you actually speaking to your own self in a really loving way Uh Um, because if you're not how can you expect your partner to give that to you when you're not willing to receive it because they could tell you everything you want to know but because you're filtered to not hearing it yeah you know you filtered to I'm unlovable I'm not good enough I'm unworthy Uh then no matter what compliment they'll give to you you won't even receive it yeah. So the first thing, where are you actually trying to get your needs met outside of yourself? Right. The second big one is where are you reactive, uh-huh. you know? If your partner comes home in a bad mood, how do you respond? If your partner comes home, they don't tend to the kids, they don't look after the things like clean up or get involved in the, the house duties. How are you feeling in that moment? Mm-hmm. Because if you're closing your heart space down because your partner's in a bad mood, that means you're not open, you're not loving, you're not compassionate, mm-hmm. you're not completely open. You know, similar to when you've had an argument. Yeah. How are you responding in that way? Are you waiting for them to come to you and apologize? Mm-hmm. Or are you willing to be open and still be certain, hey, that's actually not okay the way you speak to me or the way you treated me wasn't okay, but I'd love to speak to you about it. You know, mm-hmm. are you still showing them love and compassion or is it unconditional of, okay, well, when you apologize and you see what you just did, then we can have a chat. That's conditions on your love. Um, so again, I can imagine a lot of people are, are like probably having some light bulb moments. I'm like, oh, yeah, like, oh my like, God. Many light bulb moments. I'm like, wow. <laughs> but this is where we start to see the truth. 
the truth is is that a lot of us don't actually know what unconditional love actually feels like and that's scary in itself yeah wow and I think I I can definitely relate to that I mean in doing like a lot of inner child work and stuff like that like I realized something that I really craved in relationships was always um safety and which same mm-hmm. that seemed so strange to me but I realized that there I hadn't created like a lot of safety in my own body like I was never really safe to be who I really was or say what I really felt or just allowing myself to know that like everything's okay just being in a constant heightened state of like what about this? What about that? You know? And it's like, as soon as I was able to feel safe within my own body, you're so right. You end up, you know, not craving that from other people and you're able to come to, I guess, a relationship with, um, you know, coming together as two whole people, as opposed to just um, kind of pouring into it back and forth into each other. And it's tiring yeah and I love how you shared that as well because what happens when you actually cultivate safety within yourself and cultivate love within yourself and give yourself the needs that you actually require Mm. it then actually happens naturally as a byproduct from your partner Mm. you know naturally you just feel safe with them because you're opening yourself up because you feel safe within your body naturally it just might bring flowers home for you and give you that you know um the acts of service or the gifts the love languages as soon as you start speaking to yourself in a really loving way all of a sudden you hear the compliments from your partner the acknowledgement and it's like you feel like there's been a shift in them but it's not actually where the shift is the shift is within you yeah that's so powerful and I guess um it makes you feel so so free to know that that key like in your hand you have the ability to just you know liberate um liberate that within yourself absolutely yeah Um, I want to ask you what are some common kind of coping mechanisms that you see with people that deal uh with trauma because I imagine there are coping mechanisms that people um kind of play out in their everyday lives that they may not even realize are coping mechanisms per se yeah well I guess this links back to the survival techniques Mm -hmm. so if you're a person that's highly defensive um that's a coping mechanism because you're afraid what happens is with trauma Mm -hmm. is you know as I was speaking from the soul essence of who we are there's just love and compassion there and then we get affected by trauma we all do we're all wounded Mm um and then there's this damage that's created and then we build these layers of armor around this damage so Mm -hmm. for me for example I didn't want people to see that I had a fear of not being smart enough Mm-hmm. So I would show up in the world as a psychologist, you know, knowing everything, never asking questions. Even if there was a, if, even if there was something that I was like, oh, I'm not quite sure about that, I wouldn't say, hey, can you explain that a bit more? I'm mm-hmm. not quite understanding. I would go away and research it myself. Right. So when we start to build those facades, and if a facade, for example, if I have a limiting belief around I'm not smart, and then all of a sudden in my external environment, something triggers that, mm-hmm. I was very defensive. You know, mm-hmm. I would, you know, prove my point and go to the nth degree that I knew what I was talking about and what I was doing was right. Right. That's, right. that's part of, you know, a trauma response. The other one is complete avoidance. Uh-huh. So you might hardly leave the home. You might just have a bubble of comfort, a small version of friends. Mm-hmm. You might do the same routine over and over and over again. Because control is what keeps you safe. Controlling your external environment keeps you safe. However, 
that also keeps you small. You can imagine if you're doing the same thing every single day because you're feeling so unsafe in your external environment that you're not actually experiencing the fullness of life at all because you're so afraid of what could potentially happen. You know, another one, again, is freeze. So we don't speak our truth. We don't fully authentically speak what we actually feel because we're afraid of the backlash or afraid of the conflict or afraid of the rejection. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the other one is, again, fawning. So because we're so afraid of losing someone or upsetting someone, we'll completely self-abandon everything that we desire for ourselves to make sure everything is going well for our children and our partners and our careers and our bosses and our families and everybody else external to you. So that's basically some examples of how these survival, because all survival, if you think about the four survival techniques, Mm -hmm. it'll show up in our life from a trauma response because it's the way that we've learned to keep regulated it's almost like as children it was a really quick way for us to keep safe yeah so what we've done again is we've strengthened that coping mechanism very maladaptive which means that you can't adapt outside of this coping strategy Mm -hmm. um so we need to start to look at the triggers and start to lean back from that and start to have a different choice but the majority of us are living in autopilot 95% of the time. So a lot of people won't even realize that they're doing that at all. They won't realize it. So hopefully this is bringing awareness to people to go, oh, wow, I actually do that. So just start to get really conscious about where that's actually showing up. Who are you actually doing it with? And when did you actually feel that as a child? Start to get a work. It's nothing to do with the nice situation. It's all related back to when you were younger. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Awareness is the basic foundation of anything. You know, if we think about our mind, it's always after a quick fix. It always just wants to get rid of the problem. ASAP. And if you've learned this coping strategy, you've learned that very quickly you can get a reprieve. However, the issue with this is that it keeps happening. The Mm -hmm. same situations keep evolving. And when we're thinking about energy, our body is radiating that frequency. And if we're in fear, it's very low frequency. Mm-hmm. And as a repercussion, we keep attracting that. It's the law of attraction. We keep attracting that into our reality. Mm-hmm. So unless we become aware of where these triggers are, where they're starting to play out and starting to lean back and shift away from our maladaptive coping strategies, mm-hmm. then no change can actually happen. Mm-hmm. So bringing the subconscious into the conscious is, is the pivotal part of any form of healing where you start to get aware of your triggers, you're starting to project your own emotions onto other people because no one is responsible for our emotions other than ourselves. It's our responsibility to manage that. You know, and we often say to our partners, well, you need to stop saying that because it makes me feel like this. Mm -hmm. That's putting our control in someone else's hands. That's so disempowering. You know, one of the fundamental keys for me is to empower women to empower them back into speaking their truth, feeling confident, feeling certain in who they are Mm -hmm. and bringing things forward, even if there's fear, um, knowing that it's not the same situation as what they once thought it was when they were a child. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that um, it's worth for people listening who are thinking like, okay, yeah, sounds good but still not sure how to approach it is worth seeing like someone like yourself because it can be really hard to do the work by yourself sometimes um 
you know, yes, you can do it. And I think um, it's empowering to know that you can, you can heal yourself in many aspects. But I think a lot of the time what happens is it's so blocked off, you know, like when I was doing some inner child work, I was discussing with um, my practitioner that I was working with and I said, I just can't see anything. I was like, it's just black, you know. Um, and if I were doing that by myself, I think I would have thrown in the towel a lot quicker. Um, but having someone there to guide you and kind of push you through that. And then I think once you get past a certain threshold, maybe there's more work that you can do in your own time. Um, would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, for many years, I thought I'm a psychologist. I can do this by myself. Yeah. Know all the tools and all the strategies. But the thing is, is that we always need someone in our corner, someone who's just navigating the role because we're all the same. This is, this is, you know, what I love about the containers that I put together is that the women feel so safe with me that they don't feel like I'm on this pedestal that's so out of their reach. Yeah. And often we're following people that are on these pedestals or put themselves on these pedestals. And what that brings in is this sense of hopelessness. Like I'm never going to get there. I'm never going to achieve that. Yeah. When women come into my container, they hear my vulnerabilities. They see the emotions that I'm navigating through. They hear my stories because I literally normalize everything. We're all the same. The difference is, is that when you're working with someone that is just a few steps ahead of you, they can hold you to a higher standard. They can pull you out of that victim consciousness and empower you back into who you truly are. That's the difference. Sometimes we're navigating it by ourselves and we're feeling dysregulated and emotional. Sometimes, yeah, we can actually deal with it and it's great. And that's what I teach people to do. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's also having that person to lean on and say, hey, this has come up for me. I'm not really sure what it's about. Can you give me some insight? And having that objective view is where the true healing actually happens. So for me, I have not been without a mentor for years now and I never will. I will always have someone who is ahead of me on the path that I can keep following. When we don't have that, we can often become stagnant and lost in who we are again. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you can create a bit of self-isolation like for yourself if you think to yourself, yeah. oh, I can do this by myself. I don't need any help. No one else would know how to deal with this. And it's like someone else does know how to help you. And you, you can fall into that victim mentality quite um, easily if you isolate um, a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the victim consciousness again. You know, it's really recognising that it's actually served us for a long time. Like... Mm-hmm feeling in well what about me and what happened to me wasn't okay and of course it wasn't yeah the thing is that you living there is causing your prolonged suffering where it doesn't need to be that way no one needs to suffer more than you because you've already been through it but what's happening is when you're rinsing and repeating the same survival techniques is that you're recreating the same feeling which at a you know at, at a bodily level is so toxic. This is when physical symptoms start to manifest. You know, heart disease, cancers, mm. you know, um, immune dysfunctions, like all of these horrific diseases, because we are so disconnected from our feelings. So yeah. our body becomes toxic because it, we're not releasing them. It has nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, so what I find, even for me, for example, like I haven't been to a doctor for years. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel everything that comes up. I allow myself to witness it. I navigate through it or I reach out to my mentor to help support me through it. 
And as a byproduct, I've not had to lean onto the medical system and my energy just keeps increasing. My openness keeps increasing. And this is what we all truly want is freedom from those darker emotions. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like, like kind of what, what you touched on is that we are feeling beings. And I feel like what I notice a lot is that people um, and myself included at parts of my life is that you think, you know, feelings come second, everything else is the priority which is weird yeah. it's like compartmentalize our life and we're like no no feelings it's either I feel happy or don't want to know about it um yeah. and it's just like this real disconnect and it's like you know every feeling has its um has its place and it has its um need to be um expressed and to and to feel that because um it you just become this disconnect and you do become stagnated and shallow because it's like you're not letting anything in. You're just kind of looking forward and, you know, not really moving forward per se. Yeah, and it will meet you. Like it will yeah. finally find you. Yeah. Um, the amount of clients that I've supported that have, you know, built these amazing careers and the money and all been driven from fear, mm-hmm. they get to a pivotal point of I'm still feeling disconnected and I've reached everything that I thought I desired in life and I'm still not happy. Yeah. So for me, you know, and I was definitely that person too. I was striving, you know, for success, monetary success, abundance. I'd gotten all of that, the million dollar home, the cars, the mm-hmm. white picket fence with a beautiful family, but I wasn't happy, Oof. you know. And this is where we we try and mask our happiness with these things, these materialism things. Mm. Uh, but the thing is, is that when we keep avoiding the emotions that need to be felt, that they don't go anywhere, they're just storing the body. So then eventually that comes from disconnecting the relationship, not being able to communicate openly with the children, sabotaging money, you know, gambling, addictions, substance abuse, like it all starts to come in. Um, But my mission is to show people how they can actually have abundance in all areas of life and feel happy at the same time. Um, It's no quick fix. It's navigating through the emotions because the only reason if you don't have money or you don't have happiness or you don't have that partner that you don't already have it in your life is because there's a fear blocking it. You're manifesting back in what the fear is and it's going Mm. to keep sabotaging it until you actually face it. Mm, Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Do you think that there is kind of um, like an over, you know, in the medical system, I feel like a lot of the time there isn't, like you said um, in the beginning, there isn't that recognition of our feelings and we tend to put like, we tend to use a lot of medication in order to be a part of the treatment plan. Do you think there is kind of um, an overuse of the medications in general or what's your opinion? Yeah, absolutely. I do feel like there's an overuse um you know it's so easily handed out that's the issue it's not you know you go to a doctor and you're like I'm feeling this way I can't function but people don't look deeper the doctor says no no worries I'll give you some anti-anxiety tablets or some antidepressants but there's so many detrimental repercussions from that as well which then causes another you know plethora of effects yeah you know whether that's homicidality I've had so many people come to me and say I've been put on these anti-anxiety tablets but I feel suicidal I never used to feel suicidal or I feel like I'm having these really intrusive thoughts of murdering my children and you know things that they've never experienced before um and this is what happens when we're playing with 
the hormones and chemicals in our system. Now, don't get me wrong, you know, sometimes it's amazing for people too. Yeah. Um, it really regulates things out, it balances things out so they can function and they can go to work and they can make this money, mm-hmm. but they're also numb. They're numb to even feeling anything. Yeah. Um, pleasure and joy and euphoria, uh-huh. you know, so they're chasing, like, how can I feel that again? And it's like multiple coffees a day or, again, substance abuse like amphetamines or, you know, multiple relationships causing that adrenaline hit. Yeah. Um, and that's that's when, obviously, everything else starts to unfold too. Um, and I've supported so many people to come off medication and they're living free from it. People wow. that have been on medications from the age of 13 and nine mid-30s um and functioning really well and managing their emotions and have ultra awareness of what's going on so they can actually feel and yeah. they feel it and shift through it yeah you know and they're not controlled by medication or anything external from themselves because they've gained the control and power back within themselves which is what we all deserve yeah I think it's a birth right to have that and, and well-being and um it is so easily prescribed I think I, w- I went to the doctor one time I had some um when I was taking the pill I remember I felt so anxious and depressed and yeah I went to the doctor and she just wrote me a prescription for um depression medication and I was like I actually got angry at her I was like yeah. I was like this is negligent I was like this is negligent like that's not even like I was like, what? I was just in shock. So yeah, I it, it gave me a real kind of rude awakening of how some systems kind of, you know, work um, at times. Yeah. Um, and it's difficult as well because the thing is, is that doctors, again, aren't educated on trauma or really know what the best resources are. Like they just yeah. think medication psychologists and psychologists wait lists are like three to six months long. Yeah. So they give these people these medications mm-hmm. um and just be like, okay, they'll kick in within three to four weeks. But what are they supposed to do then? Yeah. What are they supposed to do in that time frame and you know, like no real education is given around the effects of the medication, you know, mm. because you get a pamphlet in the box that can give you the effects. But how many people actually read that? Exactly. You know, the side effects of it. And you're right, it is negligent to the person. Mm. Instead of spending some time with that person to getting to know them, to really feel what is it that they actually require. And, you know, and in terms of like support of the system, you know, I definitely had to do, I've never had this, feeling of F the system scenario, like don't go there. It's not, you know, it's definitely a place, a landing platform. The the difficulty is, is that people get stuck in the system. Yeah. Um, and that's the devastating part of it, that there's no education in the system mm-hmm. um, about the different healing properties that we can use in terms of energy, sound healing, breath work, you know, uh, bioresonance, biofeel, like there's so many different ways of healing the energy to shift it through the body. Yeah. Um, chakra clearing even, which is our main filter system in our bodies. There's yeah. none of that, which is the devastating part. It's all medically driven. Um, and this was what I found really difficult while I was in there. So definitely it can be a learning platform. It's easily accessible. You know, it's free in a lot of circumstances for people that are really struggling Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the thing is, is as well is like you, how you went to the doctor and they tried to hand you medication, your body was like, what is this? Yeah. If you have the conscious awareness in your body's like, no, like trust that. Yeah. yeah. Trust yeah. it. See what else is out there for you. 
Yeah, I think obviously in an ideal future, it would be amazing to start to see these two kind of modalities blend and work together and like refer on to, you know, more holistic modalities um, if the practitioner feels that they're not really, you know, in that realm of things to help the patient. That would be the ideal kind of future scenario. But um, I also feel like, and I wonder what your thoughts are on this, is that, you know, back to that victim consciousness mentality, I do think there are some people that generally from their core want to live and feel their best and just be free. And then I do feel like there is also this underlying kind of energy in some people that thrive off um, feeling like a victim and thrive off just, um, you know, well, not really thrive, but in their own way thinking like, oh, well, I'll just, they don't want to do the work necessarily. Yeah. They want that quick fix yeah absolutely so you do have it's just different versions of consciousness and as well as wanting to move away from the fear because the thing is is that if you think from a biological perspective if our body's been in survival mode for a long time it's living from adrenaline and cortisol it's yeah. pumping through our bodies yeah and then you know when we actually start to use meditation or breath work and we start to come to this place of contentment you know, a lot of people start to be like, oh my God, I'm not used to this feeling. So I'm just going to cause some chaos or I'm just going to, you know, engage in that gossip with that person or tell people how difficult my life is. Mm-hmm. Because when we think it and we speak it, we feel it. Yeah. And then it comes the cortisol adrenaline again. And it's like, oh, I feel normal again. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it is definitely a cycle, but it's also coming from a place of acceptance and compassion and love for people that are in them spaces. We're not trying to force them out of it. It's called free will. Yeah. You know, if they want to be in that space and it's a space that they continue to be in, then we need to be okay with that and continue on our journey of our healing because we desire more for ourselves. And yeah. what I find is, is the more that I have desired it for myself, those people actually follow me anyway. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Amazing. Um, I want to ask you a question about social media a little bit kind of on topic but off topic. I mean, I think social media, obviously, we know we're on social media all the time. It's a very big part of our lives. Um, I do feel like I um, am seeing a lot more on social media people are mentioning like about comparing themselves, about self-criticism, about self-judgment. Um, and I guess I wanted to ask you, are there ways that we can um, – kind of take note of these feelings that we have inside of ourselves and ways that we can kind of mitigate um, falling into these spirals. Because I do think um, social media has a lot to answer for, especially like young women, um, about how they feel about their bodies. Um, And I've worked with, you know, a lot of clients and like women myself when I listen to the way they talk about their bodies um, and it's this real kind of, objectification of women and their bodies and I just um I don't know I think there's got to be a positive spin to it but I just wonder if you have any notes on that yeah I guess for me um I definitely saw my daughter go through this who's 18 Mm. um so for me I guess the question I'd be asking you is how are you feeling when you're looking at these influences or social media platforms Mm. so if you're not feeling good because often again if we're thinking about that victim consciousness it's an addiction 
-hmm. we look at them we compare because humans naturally we compare to other human beings Mm -hmm. um and it makes us feel a very low vibrational energy because we don't feel as good as them or we don't feel we'll ever have a body like that Our, our body's different and then it hits those you know those spikes of stress yeah so it can come from an addictive point of view um, mm-hmm. which keep feeding that victim consciousness yeah. so I guess for me the way that you can recognize that is how are you feeling yeah. do you feel inspired by the people that you're following do you feel expansive mm-hmm. you know by the people that you're following and if it's a no I would be getting them off your platform and this happened to me just recently probably about a couple of months ago it wasn't in terms of the body but it was in terms of um, these new coaches that are coming on board and they're sharing how much money they make each month and they're making like hundreds and thousands of dollars and they're plastering it everywhere. And obviously money, it really inspires people and it was inspiring me. And and I was like, oh my God, they're amazing. They're doing really well. And, you know, I was doing that too, which is so great. So it was like, oh, maybe I can follow them and see how I can get to my next level. But what I realized in that moment is that I was moving away from the message that I wanted to share yeah and money doesn't actually create happiness however it's a belief system that we have that it does of course if we have all of the money in the world we feel abundant we can go on holidays we can buy what we want but again similar to the, the message that I shared earlier you know I sat across from a billionaire who was put on suicide watch and was going through a marriage breakdown and that kind of snapped into my head and I was like money doesn't actually make us feel fulfilled we make ourselves feel fulfilled by being on purpose with who we are um so what I was doing when I was watching these people that were making all this money I started to talk about money and started to act in the way that they were doing yeah and it took me away from the, the essence of who I am yeah. Um, because I'm not here to cultivate heaps of abundance monetary wise for people. I'm here to create balance. And yeah. as a byproduct of that, when we, you know, I've definitely broken money ceilings and changed my money mindset because I came from a very low socioeconomic family. We were very poor. Um, and the money that I'm making is unfathomable to, you know, the people that are in my family. Yeah. Um, so it can definitely be done, but it's not been done from striving from pain. It's been right. following my passion, my purpose, my pleasure, what makes me feel good. Mm-hmm. And as a byproduct, then this flows to you naturally without much effort, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, similar to you in your business, when you're sharing it from your why and why you're so passionate about it, mm-hmm. it's a, de- a very different feeling. Yeah. You know, and again, as a byproduct, of course, the universe is going to reward you with money because they want you to have more of it. They yeah. want you to have more so you can recycle it back into the community to cultivate more. Yeah. But a lot of us, because of an ego perspective of power, is that we want to get all this money for self. Yeah. And we're not here for self. We're here for ourselves and others to raise the collective, the energy of the collective. Um, And this is where people get lost. So it's like, really get curious again about why you're following these people. What are you gaining from it from an expansive point of view, from an inspiring point of view? And if it isn't doing that because it's making you feel worse about your life, Mm. then I'd just mute them for a little while and give it a month and see how you feel. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really good advice. Just don't be afraid to, yeah, mute people, unfollow people, because at the end of the day, um, it does feed your kind of vibration if that's what you're going to be on, if that's what you're going to be looking at. Um, and it's such an easy thing to do, but there's such a yeah. thing around it. People are like, oh, I can't unfollow them. I can't block them. It's like, mm, you can. Like, no one's yeah. 
get rid of them. <laughs> yeah, and it's amazing as well, like the subliminal messages. So even for me, like I wasn't a person that would scroll for hours. I'm very, I definitely used to. For hours, I would scroll through people's stuff. Um, but even when you're just flicking through the subliminal messages that are quite quick, yes, that's the dopamine hit so quickly. Yeah, and I, you, I think for people listening, it's like you just have to be become conscious of that, like really tune into like what's coming through your head. Like it's amazing how quickly, like I'll be scrolling through and I'm like, oh, I wish my hair was that long, or I wish it was that thick. Yeah. Like oh, this business, and it's like whoa, 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 out, mm. <laughs> like get out, yeah. I'm like, get out of there. It's like a little vortex of just shit sometimes. <laughs> yeah, and it's coming back to again, like what makes you feel good, like yeah. what makes you feel good like thicker hair and bigger lips and a slim <laughs> body you know we've all been there it really just doesn't make you feel again internally fulfilled yeah you know I remember doing this because I used to be a personal trainer and I did all the fitness comps and I was tiny and shredded and oh my god I was so miserable oh. so miserable yeah. um we have this mentality of the slimmer we are the fitter we are the you know, the more muscular we are, toned we are, we're going to feel better. Mm. But it's just an external perspective. You don't feel better internally. Yeah, yeah, wow. Can you give me, um, can you give listeners some advice on what would you say is the best way to build confidence and kind of pursue your life's purpose? I know that's a very loaded question. But yeah. <laughs> like are there certain techniques that you'd recommend even just to come into self and just to start moving into towards alignment for you? Yeah, so I guess the biggest part that I would encourage people to do is follow what they desire. Right. Desire is a massive thing. So getting curious about what do you desire and why aren't you following it? So you might find that, oh, but that might upset my partner or, you know, I really just want some time to myself for half an hour this morning, but I'm scared of asking my husband or to watch the kids, Mm -hmm. you know, but the thing is, is that you desire that. Mm-hmm. one of the biggest things that people often come to me is like, I don't know what my purpose is, Laura. Like, how do I find my purpose? Mm-hmm. And I always say you are the purpose. Like your soul, you're the essence of who you are is the purpose. Yeah. The only thing that gets in the way of you living that is the fears, the wounds. So, oh God, this is this is just such a big question in terms of how you do it. Yeah. But the first one would be law of desire, which is a universal law. So if you're not following your desires then you're not living in alignment with your life, full yeah. stop. Yeah. So if you're finding that you desire something, but there's a fear in the way of it, it's important that you navigate that fear and get it out of the way so you can keep moving towards what you desire. Mm-hmm. Um, because what happens is the more that you move forward towards what you desire, your life is desirable. And right. you attract in the partner, the life, the money. The reason that, again, you don't have that is because you're too busy staying trapped in the fear of, you know, I don't want to do that for myself because I might upset people, yeah. you know, the, the whole survival strategy or I might lose someone because you've got a fear of loss. There's always so many fears there. So it's so important to have someone in the corner to navigate what the fear is so you can get rid of it and then move forward to what, towards what you desire. Yeah. So always remembering that you are the purpose. The only thing that's in the way of that is all the fears. So if you can use the point of following what it is that actually feels aligned to you and we all feel it. Yeah all feel it but we ignore it and this this is the beautiful part right is that we are all afraid of the unknown Mm -hmm. fearful of the unknown 
because the mind perspective has no idea how to keep you in survival mode because it can't plant. This is why we keep in familiarity a lot or get drawn back in sabotage. Yeah. But the thing is, is from a soul perspective, these things are coming into your life and you have that essence of, oh, that feels good. Yeah. Because it's actually pivoting you to your expansion. Yeah. So your soul knows about the unknown, but the fear stops you from going into it because of the what ifs. Yeah. So if we can think about it from that perspective of when you actually get that ignite, like that ignited feeling of that doesn't make logical sense why I feel drawn to that, mm-hmm. but I'm just going to follow it as long as it's a loving desire as well. Remember there's unloving desires like cheating on your partner, all of them things. That's trauma. That's wounds. Yeah. So if the desire is loving towards you and other people, then follow it first and foremost, you, if it's loving and it isn't going to equate to pain, mm-hmm. then we need follow that and follow that expansive feeling and make that decision ASAP because the longer you leave making that decision the more the mind kicks in and amplifies the fears and then we stay stuck with where we are yeah Mm. wow that you answered that very well it was a very loaded question and somehow you yeah you put it in a nice little container um I am blown away by today's information. I can't thank you enough for all the information that you've shared. I feel like I'm going to have to, um, I'm going to listen to this like two times over to take it all in. So um, I, I seriously am mind blown. I really, really appreciate it. And I'll pop all of your um, links to your website below. People are looking to book in um, with yourself, Laura. Um, is there anything else you'd like um, people to know? Anything you're working on at the moment? Um, I'm always giving value on my Instagram at her successful moment but the biggest one if someone is feeling drawn to what I'm sharing would be to jump in my discover you program which we start on the 17th of January okay yeah it's highly supportive container daily contact because this is where the transformation shift quickly yeah Uh, weekly support through live sessions and daily contact and the transformations you can shift in six weeks um, a phenomenal and this is what I knew that people could have and that's why I stepped away from the medical system and was like I desire more for people I want to elevate people's energy I want to empower women mm-hmm. and I want to show them the mind that it can happen really quickly with someone in your corner just constantly holding you to that high standard of who you are that is amazing I'm gonna have to get on to that 17th of Jan I wrote that down that's amazing and I'll share it um yeah in the show 